Good morning, Limehouse Baptist Church. It's good to see all of you today on this Easter Sunday. Uh, if you have your, or not if you have your Bibles with you, I got my uh, order of service mixed up. Uh, go ahead and bow your head with me for prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much that the tomb has been rolled, I mean, the stone has been rolled away from the tomb. We thank you, dear Lord, for this day where we get to celebrate that through you we can have life and life to the fullest. Dear Lord, you want to speak to us this Easter Sunday, and I pray, God, that you would give us ears to listen to you. God, you give us eyes to see you. You give us hands to do what you call us to do, feet to go where you call us to go, and a heart to believe what you promise us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for Resurrection Sunday. And because you've been raised, we can be raised. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Dear God, if any of us is asleep, help us to wake up and lock in and celebrate the good news that Jesus is not in the tomb. He is alive. We love you, Lord. We thank you. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible with you, okay, that's when I'm supposed to say that. Go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter 16, verse 1 through 8. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 through 8. So it says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, if I were to tell you that this morning a house in Vermont caught on fire, how would you react to that? You'd say, okay, that's a bummer. But you, I mean, none of you had any reaction to that at all. Why? Because it's news, but it's news that doesn't affect you at all. But if I gave you a different kind of news, if I said, hey, uh, on my way to church today, I passed by your house and it was on fire. That would be news, but you would react a totally different way. Why? Because that news affects you. Therefore, that news is totally different because it matters for you. Now, Easter is also news. Easter is news that the tomb is now empty. But 
sometimes we react to that news the same way as if I told you a house in Vermont was on fire. We say, oh, okay. And why do we react that way to the empty tomb? Well, because we don't realize how it affects us. Because we don't realize how it affects us. We don't understand why it matters. So what I want you to see today on this Easter Sunday is I want you to see why the news of Easter is so important. I want you to see, in other words, why the empty tomb matters for you. So according to our passage, why does it matter that the tomb is empty? Why does it matter? Well, the first reason from our passage that it matters that the tomb is empty, it matters because it means that you can trust Jesus. Do you realize that? The fact that the tomb is empty, that means that you can trust Jesus. Look with me again at verses 5 through 7. It says, as they, so it's talking about the women, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Now, it doesn't say this man was an angel, but it's very clear from this passage he was an angel. And we learn from the other gospel accounts that this was an angel. So that's who they're talking to. And he said, don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene. Let's see if my page will turn. I don't think it will. Man. There we go. Anyways, you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now, what did he say? He said, just as he told you. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. What? Just as he told you. Now, okay, why is this angel having to tell the women to go and get the disciples to go to Galilee? Jesus already told them, I'm going to be killed and I'm going to be risen from the dead three days later and I will meet you there in Galilee. So why are they not in Galilee waiting for Jesus? Well, because even though they heard what Jesus said, they didn't necessarily trust that what Jesus was saying is true. And therefore, they heard it. They said, okay, that's, that's great. But that was before the cross. The cross ruined everything that Jesus said. But the empty tomb, it proves what? It proves that you can trust Jesus. But, okay, here's the question. Why does it matter if you can trust Jesus? If somebody doesn't believe in Jesus, and I say you can trust Jesus, they say, who cares? Who cares? Why does it matter that I can trust Jesus? Well, it matters because Jesus made claims like the claim he made in John chapter 14, verse 6, when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, anyone could walk into this room right now and they could say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we wouldn't believe them, right? So why do we believe Jesus when he said that? Well, the reason we believe Jesus when he said that is because he actually backed it up Jesus backed it up. Jesus told his disciples that he would be killed and would rise on the third day. And you know what? If he did not rise on the third day, do you know what that means? 
It means he can't be trusted. That means he can't be trusted. If he's still in the grave, you can't trust him because he said, I'll rise from the grave. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, he said, I'm trying here. So in this book, he said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. And this is what they say. They say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. C.S. Lewis says, that is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who said he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You would do that if he was a liar. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. You would do that if he was a lunatic. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God, which you would do if he really is Lord. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. What is C.S. Lewis saying here? He's saying that we can't just say Jesus was a great teacher. He's saying when we really look at the things that Jesus said, we can only have three reactions to Jesus. We can either say, he's a liar. We can either say, he's a lunatic. Or we can say, he really is Lord. I mean, think about it. Think about what Jesus said in Mark chapter 14, verse 27 through 28. What he told the disciples. He said, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus said, I'm going to be killed, but after I've risen, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee, which is what the angel referenced here in our passage. Now, if he did not rise and go ahead of them into Galilee, what would he be? He would be a liar. Think about what Jesus said in John chapter 2, verse 18 through 21. Remember, Jesus had just cleared the temple courts. He had just overturned the tables of the money changers and scattered their coins and drove people out of the temple courts, drove the animals out. And they were angry with Jesus because of this. And it says the Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. So if Jesus did that, if he cleared the temple courts and he overturned the money changers' tables and he said, destroy this body and I will raise it again in three days. And yet on the fourth day, Jesus is still in the tomb. What does it mean? It means that Jesus is a lunatic. It means that he's crazy. Anybody who says that is insane. And that means that you can't trust them. It means that they're dangerous. You can't give your life to someone who makes that claim and yet doesn't back it up. But if Jesus really did rise from the dead on the third day, then it means you can trust him to be who he said that he is. And who did he say that he is? He said that he's Lord. The resurrection, what does it do? It validates who Jesus said that he is. Remember they said... By what authority do you do these things? And Jesus said, when I'm resurrected, 
that will be the authority. That will validate everything that I said about myself. It's easy for us to look down on the disciples for not trusting that Jesus would rise from the dead, isn't it? Jesus told them over and over again, I'll be killed, but then I'll rise from the dead. Even at one point, Peter gone on to him for that. Jesus told them over and over again, and yet they didn't believe him. They didn't trust him. How much grief could they have been spared from if only they had trusted him when he told them that he was going to rise from the dead and meet them in Galilee? And yet, how much grief could we be spared from if we only trusted what Jesus says to us? When Jesus says, don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows, do you trust him? When Jesus says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die, do you trust him? When Jesus says, my father is always at work to this day and I too am working, do you trust him? Do you live an anxious and worried life? If so, you're living as though he's still in the tomb. But if you live a life of reliance on him, then you live a life that says he's not in the tomb. I can trust him to be who he said that he is. He said that he'll always take care of me. He'll always watch after me. I and my Father are working on your behalf every single day. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? It all depends on if you really rose from the tomb. Because if he did rise, he is exactly who he said that he is. He's completely who he said that he is, which means that you can trust him completely. But the second thing that the empty tomb means, it means that you can be reconciled to God. Look at verse 7 again. He says, the angel said, but go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now, in there, we see something that you might not have recognized the first time I read that verse to you. Go and tell his disciples and Peter. And Peter. Isn't Peter one of the disciples? Why would he have to say and Peter? Remember, Peter was one of the disciples, but the last time we saw Peter, he had denied even knowing Jesus. And so why is Peter being singled out? Is Peter being singled out for condemnation? No. Peter is being singled out for reconciliation. Do you see that? He didn't say, go and tell the disciples, I'm going ahead of them into Galilee. Don't don't tell Peter. It's really awkward. Jesus doesn't want to talk to him anymore. Jesus is angry at him for denying him. No, he didn't say, tell certain people and leave Peter out. He said, no, tell them all. Why? Because Jesus wants to be reconciled to all of them. You see that Jesus never came to Peter because Peter is good. Jesus came to Peter because Jesus is good. And by reconciling himself to us, Jesus is reconciling us to God. How do I know that? Why can I make a claim like that? Well, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. It says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. The key word here is completely. 
Able to save how much? 60%? Able to save 99%? No, able to save completely. Dane Ortland, in his book, Gentle and Lowly, he said, we all tend to have some small pocket of our life where we have difficulty believing the forgiveness of God reaches. We say we are totally forgiven, and we sincerely believe our sins are forgiven, pretty much anyway. But there's that one deep, dark part of our lives, even our present lives, that seems so intractable, so ugly, so beyond recovery. That word completely in Hebrews 7.25 means God's forgiving, redeeming, restoring touch reaches down into the deepest, darkest crevices of our soul, those places where we are most ashamed, most defeated. More than this, those crevices of sin are themselves the places where Christ loves us the most. His heart willingly goes there. His heart is most strongly drawn there. He knows us completely, and he saves us completely because his heart is drawn out to us completely. We cannot sin our way out of his tender care. And do you realize, because Jesus was raised completely, he intercedes for us completely. Peter could not be reconciled to a dead body in a tomb. And neither can you. But because the tomb is empty, the throne of grace is occupied. And you might think that what you've done is too horrible and disgusting and bad for you to ever be completely forgiven. But is that really true? You might say, Cody, what I've done is too bad, too wrong, too horrible. Oh, really? Well, did you fall asleep on Jesus when he asked you to pray for him? Did you run away when Jesus was arrested? Did you deny knowing Jesus when he was on trial in order to die in your place? No, nothing you've ever done is worse than what Peter did. And yet, how much was Peter forgiven? Completely. Which means that how much can you be forgiven? Completely. Why? Because God wants to be reconciled to you. And because he's not dead in a tomb, but because he's alive and on a throne, he can be. You can be reconciled to God because the tomb is empty. But the other thing, the third thing that it means for the tomb to be empty, the empty tomb means that you can leave the tomb. You can leave the tomb. Look with me at verses 2 through 4. In verse 2 through 4, it says, Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Now, what do these verses mean? They mean that through the resurrection, God has turned the entrance of the tomb into the exit of the tomb. Do you realize that? That's what Easter is about. We all ask, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Easter says, God will and God has. Easter tells us that the tomb is not our final destination. Being with the God who defeated it is our final 
destination. Think about what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. He said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Where? Where I am. If we are followers of Jesus and he is in the tomb forever, where should we expect to be forever? In the tomb. But if we are followers of Jesus and he is out of the tomb forever, where should we expect to be forever? Out of the tomb. Out of the tomb. Easter means that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you and you can rest assured that it's not the tomb. It's not. Easter, here's what I want you to see about today. The empty tomb is not just another part of our faith. You know, we say, the resurrection, the empty tomb, that's part of my faith. And the cross is a part of my faith. The New Testament's a part of my faith. The Old Testament's a part of my faith. Abraham's a part of my faith. Isaac's a part of my faith. Jesus is a part of my faith. No! The resurrection is not just another part of your faith. It is the basis of our faith. Do you see that? Without the empty tomb, nothing that I just said today matters at all. And in fact, if the tomb is not empty, your faith is pointless. It's a waste. Do you realize that? Does that sound extreme to you? Paul himself said that. The Apostle Paul who wrote most of the books that we have in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14 through 19, he said, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ we are all people most to be pitied. Did you hear what Paul said? Paul said that if Jesus is still in the tomb, you can't trust Jesus. Paul said that if Jesus is still in the tomb, then you can't be reconciled to God. Paul just said that if Jesus is still in the tomb, then you can't leave the tomb either. But that's not all that Paul said. In the very next verse, in verse 20, He says, but Christ has indeed been raised. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. But Christ has indeed been raised. The good news that we are celebrating today is that Christ has indeed been raised. Which means that you can trust Jesus. It means that you can be reconciled to God. It means that you can leave the tomb. And when you realize what this news means for you, when you realize that this is what the news of Easter 
means for you, then you will be able to do what these three women did. It will fill you with wonder and awe, just as they were filled with wonder and awe, where they said, oh my gosh, is this really happening? Is Jesus really risen alive, the light of the world, not snuffed out, but shining brighter than ever, forever? When you realize that this is what this news means, and that's not just some random bit of news that doesn't affect you, but has eternal relevance for you of this magnitude, then you'll be left trembling and bewildered just like these women were. And this news, when you believe it, what will it do? It will cause you to rise out of the tomb just as these women did and just as our Lord Jesus did. Let's pray. Dear Lord, today is a day to celebrate because the tomb is empty. Our sin is dead. Our Lord is alive. Thank you, Lord. That is worth celebrating forever. Thank you, Lord. You didn't just go to the cross because you felt like it. You did it for us. You did it to save us to reconcile us to you, to free us from the tomb. And Lord, we trust you. We thank you. We love you. The empty tomb proves that we can trust you. The empty tomb means that we can be reconciled to you. The empty tomb means that we can leave our tomb. Death is not the end of the story. Life with you is. Death is not the alpha. It's not the omega. Jesus is the alpha. Jesus is the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.